Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to Books Boys, live from the Grand Library, the Dean and PJ. He's PJ. Hello there. I'm the Dean, and we are the Books Boys. We're incredibly sexy book boys today. Oh, who's Very this? Sexy sounding PJ. No, 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 that wasn't me. That was that was that was uh, hello there. I, I'm here to sponsor the Books Boys. My name is Jeremy, and I listen to these lads every day, and I think they're absolutely scrumptiously fantastic. Thank you, guys. And please listen to them. All right. Well, thanks very much, Jeremy. Jesus, he just, he just, he just came in the door, Dean, and I, I kind of like we're worried here. I don't this know who this chaps, guy is. Listeners, this is the kind of life that that PJ's leading. Just random yeah. people turning up in his house to with and, a sexy uh, voice. You it's know? very nice. He's a fan, but like he is in my house, and it's a bit guys, you know, a bit privacy. Yeah, that's that's, that's, that's worrying. That's worrying. That, that's worrying. <laughs> well, anyway, well, Dean. it's nice to meet Jeremy. And this is the Books Boys Show. Get it? it Buy it. Books. Books. The one and only. Still don't know exactly what they are, Dean. I mean, I, I, I just, I go to a shop and I see toilet rolls and I'm just wondering, is that the complete works of Shakespeare right there in front of me? Or is, you know, is that Sophocles? You know, I get a bit confused in the old, in the old shop. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think you can get Sophocles now. Um, you know, it's, it's nice rolls. and soft and, and, and cushioned and, and, and good for the body. You know? and, and fragrance. They've got, they've got vanilla and, fragrance yeah. and jasmine. So you can, you can, jasmine. Jasmine Sophocles. Jasmine Sophocles. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Get it here first. Well, PJ, um, shall we get stuck in? Shall I go first with yeah, some go, of the books I've read? Go ahead, please. So what have you been reading? I, I generally don't know, actually, guys, this time. Usually I have a bit of a, a bit of knowledge. Yeah, but I think I, I didn't yeah, tell you this yeah, time. Yeah, I didn't tell me yeah. this time, so I, I'm completely uh, unprepared. So there will good. be some surprises. The first one's not a surprise, but there will be some surprises. So the ahead. first one is I read Emma, the final Jane Austen. Ah, yes. And I, I can only say one thing. Thank goodness that Jane Austen is over. I <laughs> did not like Jane Austen. I'm sorry. I liked Northanger Abbey, but that was pretty much it. I mean, I've never seen a more overrated author or authoress <laughs> in my, my entire oh, life. Controversial, Dean. Controversial. I know it's controversial. Like, I, I know it's a controversial opinion. But these are these are demo books you know you know when you're making music and you do a demo but it's not really finished and nothing really happens in it and it's oh. a bit flat and then that's it you know that's what Jane oh, no. austen is it needs some production it needs some it needs something in it you know jason if you if, if you were her editor back in the early 19th century you'd be you'd be tough on her yeah sure her books I, might I not be published they might not be published with you as the editor 
<laughs> well, she had a prince for a patron, so I guess that gets you published, even though That's, you're writing, you know. To be, to, be, to be fair to her, she came before most of the Victorian stuff and she laid the groundwork. They just took it a bit further. So she's early enough that she gets away with it. But... So that's an important point. So as a literary historian, you do recommend that you read her, right? That's a kind of... I think uh... it's important. You know, we yeah. wouldn't have had the Brontes or Dickens or any of that stuff probably without Jane Austen. Yeah. So it's an important link between the romantic period of poetry and everything mm. and and this then this romantic this this um, victorian novel period i just don't think that on their own they're really good works mm. so tell us about emma so we've got this girl emma and she uh, emma woodhouse and she lives with her father mr woodhouse and miss taylor's her companion and miss taylor goes off and gets married and they regret this and the father mr woodhouse he he likes to you know, it's they're living in these little villages and they only know maybe 20 people and, you know, they, they're very limited in the world experience. And the father assumes that everyone shares the same opinion as him. So if he thinks that eating something is bad for, you know, eating cake is bad for your tummy, uh-huh. then he'll tell everyone, but we don't like cake. It's bad for our tummy. And they'll say, no, no, we, we, we quite want the cake. We like the cake. No, no, it's bad for, you You know, it will not agree with you. They say, no, it's, it's you that it doesn't agree with. And, and he'll say, no, no, it doesn't agree with anyone because he assumes that everyone shares his experience. So even when there's a wedding, he's trying to tell them not to have a wedding cake and he's persuading them to the last minute, you know, oh, don't Lord. eat that slice. It's, it's going to be bad for you. Um, he just doesn't understand that anyone could have a different opinion than him. <laughs> and everyone molly coddles him and he claims to be an invalid, but no health condition is ever cited. Uh, he, you know, he leaves his house once in the entire novel. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's, kind of hinted that maybe he could be going a bit more and there's not really anything wrong with him but they all they all pander to him and respect him and he's a nice character though you know i wouldn't really say anything bad about him uh-huh. um but the main character emma uh-huh. she she's a bit immature but she thinks she's a matchmaker and she's got this friend harriet and she wants to set harriet up with someone yeah. harriet already has a sitter a certain mr martin um and elliot says well you're above him so don't marry him now, Harriet's not above him. Harriet's an orphan. She's a nobody. They don't even know who her family is. Okay. And it turns out they do They do get in touch with their family near the end. But Harriet's a nobody. But, she, you know, Emma's just decided that she's somebody. And mm-hmm. then she gives Harriet all these ideas about her station. Harriet's trying to get with, uh, with Mr. Knightley. And that, that's a disaster because he's way above her station. Mm-hmm. And she kind of ruins Harriet's life a little bit, even though they're meant to be friends. And, you know, these are soft books, so it all comes good in the end. But mm-hmm. I, I'm not that keen on Emma, to be honest. But you're not very keen on, on any of the uh, protagonists, are you? <laughs> From Jane Austen's books. <laughs> I mean, not really. No, not, not really. I think that they're... Apart from Northanger Abbey, again, you know. Yeah, but you're always kind of complaining about the protagonist. The protagonist this, protagonist that. All right, so so, so Jane Austen is not the good protagonist. Except Northanger Abbey, which is considered the, the least popular of her works. It's I, very I controversial. Why. It's the only good one. It's the only good one. Very controversial opinion, Dean. But okay. So go on. Okay. So... That's more or less the entire plot. <laughs> like, there's nothing else that really happened. The problem with these books is nothing happens in any of them. There's just a lot of intricate <laughs> conversations about the love story. The only, the only other thing that happens is Miss Taylor goes off and gets married mm-hmm. and her new husband's son from a previous marriage arrives. And he does a bit of wooing and everyone thinks he's going to be in love with Emma. And then he turns out to be a bit of a, a, bit of a wreck. Um, and, and that's supposed to be a, a big swerve, but I think you see it coming a hundred pages before the, the twist. So mm. I don't think it's, it, you know, I don't think it's fooling anyone. Mm. Okay. 
So it's not much of a yeah, it's not much. So basically, there's no kind of like um, surprises, or kind of so you just kind of know what's going to happen the whole time. Yeah, I mean that is meant to be a surprise, but I don't, I don't see it as a surprise. Okay. I mean, in the end, this is, I guess, this is technically a spoiler, but you think there's some kind of romantic connection between Emma and Mister Knightley herself, but it's so clear from the first few pages, you know, and, yeah. and in the end, you wonder if they're going to get together, but I, I don't think that's a, a swerve. I think that. That's been very clear from the beginning. Okay, okay. All right. So uh, that's that's more or less it. I mean, there's there's not a lot to say. The, the chap's called Frank Churchill, and it turns out he's actually in love with a friend of Emma's. Um, they, these aren't good characters. He's nice because he's that he's a bit of a rake, and I kind of like that about him. Um, but other than that, there's there's not really a lot of likable characters. I like the dad because he moans a lot, but in a positive way. You know, and there's, there's, a, there's a time when they want to put on a ball. They say, let's let's put on a ball. And they go to this guy. This guy says, well, you can have my house. There's two large rooms. And they say, well, we need to put the two rooms together. And the dad says, oh, it's impossible. Because when you go from one room to the other, there'll be a draft. And you're so delicate, you couldn't possibly go out in this draft, you know. And then they have to go to all these hassle of covering up the gaps between the doors. And, hmm. you know, he, he just assumes that everyone's so incredibly delicate, you know. Um, the, the interesting thing is about um, I haven't read it, but I do believe that uh, Austin said that she's going to, before she started writing the novel, that she was going to write about a heroine who no one uh, but herself would like. So she was going to take someone that she, no one likes except herself. Like she consciously made that decision, was Emma. Okay, I, I would believe it because I, I didn't like her. <laughs> now you'll you'll like this PJ. At one point, some of the characters go off to Bath um, oh, for their that. for their holiday. Every oh, single that. novel, they go to Bath. Every, I, I love not that. a lot of creativity here. I mean, I love that in the Pickwick Papers as well. That's where I first encountered. It seems to be a yes. very sort of I, I don't know, like the ultimate sort of luxury thing for yes, the, the ultimate pleasure spot. <laughs> we have to go there. Like we have to go there and have a bath. How about that? That's it. There's a lot of female delicacy in this, which almost to, to a point of, you know, it's hilarious. The girl has to go to the post office to get some letters at one point. And my dear Jane, what is this I hear? Going to the post office in the rain? This must not be, I assure you. You sad girl, how could you do such a thing? But the problem is there's pages and pages of, you know, anytime something <laughs> happens, you know. At one point, someone gets a piano as a gift. And I swear there's about 30 pages of discussion. <laughs> Who could have sent the piano? You know, I wonder if it was... Colonel so and so, and it just goes on and on and on. You know, <laughs> nothing happens in the book. There's thirty pages of, of, of someone who bought the piano, <laughs> and we never find out. Really, I think, oh no, you know, we we oh, guess near the end, but it's it's never made clear. What, so what is what, so what is it about the and um, awesome books that people love? I mean, guys, please please write and uh, feel free to share why you love. Emma. Please do. Booksboys at hotmail.com. Please tell us or <laughs> connect with us on Instagram. I did a ranking of the books on Instagram. It was hard because I was tempted to put Northanger Abbey at the first uh-huh. and everything else joined last. But I didn't do that. I, I did manage to, to do a bit of a ranking. But I don't, I don't know why people like these. You know, I understand their historical importance, but I, people go on about them as if they're amazing and they are not. Oh god! I can just imagine you just like just Northanger Abbey and uh, Northanger, and just everything else is just last. Okay. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, yeah. I mean, Persuasion was my least favorite, but the rest are all joint second last, mm. I think. 
it, okay. uh, look, I'm really, really, really happy to be done with Jane Austen. I, I really, I, I'll never read them again. But Dean, I mean, don't you want to start now with her letters and, um, you know, whatever, <laughs> you know, that yes, kind of stuff. I need her grocery list and, her you know, grocery. I need everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, went awesome, yeah. Every, every possible thing that she read, yes. So what, what did you read? What did you read after that? It well, wasn't a good month. Well, I also, <laughs> I, well, I also have to mention that, um, yes, I, I just... Um, research this because I, I thought I read this that you, do you know that Emma supposedly the book influenced uh, the Harry Potter series really yeah in, yeah in because well I just I know that Jackie Rowling just she loves Jane Austen but it's specifically she always mentioned Emma so um, I was just wondering do you see any kind of connection or what, what's the Goodness what's the connection me no that really shocks me um I, I haven't a clue I, I can't it, it I have no idea. It literally says, I'm just reading, I've, I've never set up a surprise ending in a Harry Potter book, J.K. Rowling says, without knowing I can never and will never do it anywhere near as well as Austin did in Emma. No, she's not yes. read the book then. It's well, impossible. Well, this is a twist, twist ending. So what? There's no twist ending. It's so, it's so <laughs> Come obvious. Come on, something she's... about the piano. Something, some, a vampire <laughs> jumped out of the piano. Something happened. You must have missed the page. There must be I some huge the... twist ending. The the small twist that you see coming two hundred pages before it happens, I, I I don't know, and we never really do give the, the end spoilers away here, so I don't want to say what happens. But I think anyone listening can guess it's a Jane Austen; they'll fall in love. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say, you know. Emma's okay. not very nice to Harriet. She could be a lot better, and she's quite snobbish. That makes her more dislikable than ever. She gets various different suitors for Harriet and doesn't think of any for herself until it just happens but uh, no there's not really a twist no that's that's sorry she's wrong anyway that's that's Jake Rowling so there you go so if you're listening you then can, I, I, I thought you can to write myself, to look after reading a bad book what do I need something fun something light-hearted so I went to Virgil the Aeneid no <laughs> Do you know this one? Is it supposed to be? Yes, but uh, and to be honest, I'm a bit ignorant on it. Is, is it supposed to be a, um, a Roman, basically, written in Roman times? But is it supposed to be kind of a sequel to the Iliad and the Odyssey? Yes. Yes, okay. Again, I find this so, so tedious to get through. Um, <laughs> this was not a good month. And normally I'm very positive, but it, it's going to pick up after this. But these first, it didn't start well. Um <laughs> We did a, we did a, I did a bonus episode on the Odyssey. I think the Odyssey is a brilliant book. Mm. I would admit that the Iliad is very dull. Um, this book doesn't need to exist. That's its main flaw. Okay, <laughs> so it's written a good bit in the future. You know, it's not a Greek book, but it's about Greek things. It's by uh, uh, you know uh, Virgil, so he's a Roman poet, a Latin you know mm. Latin literature. It's considered one of the greatest pieces of Latin literature. I don't know who by or who read it, but. Um, we start this, out, is, this show, why don't we just call this show a Dean the Book Critic versus the World of Book Critics? That's it. Like, just, if, it, just... if this is someone, if this is someone's first episode, I feel sorry because normally we're very positive, but these two books didn't get me off to a good yeah, start. Yeah, I mean, I think I've got the Virgil upstairs. It's a bit dusty, but um, I think I might just have to put him. I don't know, give him to Oxfam or something. I don't know. You're not, you're not selling it. Well, I'll tell you, you that briefly. The first half of the book, we recap the events from the Odyssey. So if you've ever read the Odyssey and thought it was good, how would you like it to be told more briefly and less well? That's what we get here. So we recap on the sack of Troy, but this time it's more from the, the Trojans' perspectives. It's not really from the Greeks. So the Greeks uh-huh. are sort of the bad guys here. 
Um, and also they, they put all the Greek gods in the Roman, you know, version of their name, which mm. I find really off. I couldn't remember who was who. I made a chart. <laughs> um, but we do, we do the sack of Troy. Then we go to the underworld. We have the, the Cyclops. We have oh. um, Scylla and, and Charybdis, the sea monsters. But it's all the same stuff. It's just a retelling, you know, of the, of the Odyssey. Mm. And that's the first half. Then the second half almost turns into the Iliad. It's just extended fight scenes. You know, it's very dull. Um, there is a girl, Dido. She's a kind of Trojan, um, you know, queen or, or whatever. Yeah. And she has a bit of a, a bit of a, a love story with, with Aeneas. Who's the, so I guess a bit steamy, officer. Yeah, but I don't, I don't find Aeneas to be a great hero. They, they try to say that he's essentially, you know, finding Rome you know we we talk about Romulus and Remus who did find Rome but the idea is that he discovers you know in in this kind of Greek tale Aeneas discovers the site of the future Rome basically that's kind of what they're Mm. they're trying to say um so it's like the foundation of Rome is seen here in this book yeah that's that's what this book is trying they're trying to set him up Mm. as a great hero of of Rome Mm. but you know honestly just go read the Odyssey this is I don't. I don't think this is doing anything for anyone. I don't know who who likes this. I don't have a lot more to say about it. I really struggled to, to even focus on it. I find it very, very dull. Oh wow! Okay, and you've got a high tolerance for for adult books. Let's be honest. Very I high tolerance. How high my tolerance is. The last couple of days, I've just read half of this book of um, Trials from Classical Athens. So I yeah. recommended this before. I'm reading actual court speeches, and if you go to Patreon.com/slash/booksboys. There's already 12 mini episodes recorded where I review each course speech. So, you know, I, I, I can read this dry stuff and I can, you know, but, but this was just boring, you know? Oh, no. Okay, so, so Emma and... All right. Okay, fair enough. So Jane Austen and... I was going to say... I um, don't know why I was going to say John Dryden. No, he, he, he translated. Um, so basically, Jane Austen and Virgil, they can, you know, they have to go to a some writing working classes they have to you know they have to maybe re- revise their scripts so that's what you're saying controversial yeah, i think opinion. so controversial of course virgil of course most famous for um accompanying dante as his poet guide in the inferno mm, that's right yeah and that reminds me this month's episode is sponsored by virgil's tours of hell.gov oh. so if you'd like a tour of hell um get on to our good friend virgil and when he's not busy writing trash and it rips off the odyssey <laughs> you know he'll he'll give you a tour so that's that's our sponsor virgil's tours of hell.gov a tour through the underworld spooky pj before i move on to the good books i read why don't you give us something well guys break from ranting uh i've i haven't been doing too much reading this month i have to i have to admit but i have continued on my odyssey to get it in on I get it. Pippi's adventures in uh I was gonna say in Wonderworld. Jeez, I'm mixing I'm mixing up all the uh all the stories. Uh not Pippi's Adventures in Wonderworlds, don't know where that came from. This book is called Pippi Goes on Board. And it's the second book of the Pippi series. Um there are three of them officially, but there are a lot more unofficially, some picture books as well, some old authors. And this just continues the story of Pippi. It starts off the first book starts off with her being introduced and random episodes happening. Not really much. Now, I love Astrid uh, Lindgren reading. I love her writing style. I love the way she... Um, I love that she's created these characters. She's an awesome 
character describer. But I don't think she 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 is the best plot necessarily divisor. She doesn't really the first book doesn't have much of a plot. And the second one does a bit more, but it still sometimes feels episodic. So the second one is about PP goes on board. She goes with her father um, traveling on sea. So the father is not in the first book, but he's mentioned as this king who's somewhere, yeah, they somewhere got lost, but she knows he's not dead. He can't be dead. He's amazing. He's is a king. She just kind of knows that he's the king of, of some tribal islands in the Pacific. And uh, just just a little warning, guys. This book has obviously been written in, in the 40s um, because, yeah, let's just say that there's some kind of very kind of racial kind of stereotypes and, right, right. Uh, yeah, terminology. So, I mean, like, I, I, I just formulated very nicely there, but the actual but the actual descriptions are very kind of, you know, no, no, this is nuts. I can't even show this on the radio. It's very controversial. But it's, it's a great story, guys. She goes on board with her friends. And um, and the dad as well. And the dad is this character who's just kind of very, he's kind of very bubbly, very he's kind of huge, fat, and he's like he's a captain of the ship. But he's also the king of this tribal island, and just like is in the first book, it's more the story is more like um, I would say like a guide for for children or for 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 let's just say. A guide for children and a guide for everyone's inner child on how to act and how to behave in a non-conformist way. It's been a very controversial book, team, by the way. You know, the whole series. It's been very controversial in Sweden, at least when it came out. Right. Yeah, because they. This, thought... su- this surprises me because I always remembered it just as like a kids' cartoon thing about a stripy soft girl. I never it's... knew that it was so deep or so controversial. Well, yes, it, it was very controversial because. Um... Well, it just came out in the 40s in Sweden. And, you know, Pippi is a very sort of, she just breaks every single rule there is in society. Just everything. And, and it's been championed. And so it's really Astrid is championing this girl. Plus Astrid Lindgren, she had kind of a tough kind of life. She had to, she had to um, kind of um, put her son in adoption for a few years. She was not well off. Um, and I, I see this pattern a lot. I find with uh, children authors, the best ones, especially who are women, especially they they have a very tough childhood and upbringing, uh, just like Jacob Rowling we just mentioned. Uh, so it's the same here, and I can just see that Astra is kind of like saying "f you" to society, and this is the antidote to what, everything that's wrong with society, baby. And I think it's great because you don't necessarily have to do everything she does. But it just says, kind of, you can't do. You don't actually have to do anything. Society tells mm-hmm. you, that, you know, if there's a cake on the table, you don't actually have to ask someone, "Can I have it?" You just kind of eat it off for yourself, and then just, and then just, you know, throw it around and have, have, have monkeys wearing suits and horses, uh, you know, with spots, and it's and and just, it's all over the place, really. I love that. It's all place. But as I said, just the plots and. Um, kind of where is it going it's it's all sometimes a bit random but i really don't don't mind that but it doesn't go up for me to the higher you know to like i do think harry potter is a great sort of children's literature and well-crafted book and i think that the highs i mentioned this before i think like the ultimate children's book is Heidi because it's got everything yeah. it's got the great character it's got an amazing plot and twists and amazing layout whereas i feel like astrid Lincoln was lingren the author of pippi was having a lot of fun and it's really philosophical 
but it seems kind of a bit random sometimes. Um, but yeah, I think it's a great book, guys. I really recommend it. It was controversial in Sweden when it came out because they thought, well, kids can't behave like this. You know, this is not a good role model book. Sure. But in the USA, it seemed to, when it became popular around late 50s, I think, especially when the films came out in the 60s, um, they started caring less. And I think it kind of fitted in neatly with the whole flower revolution, um, the love revolution. Because that's about the time the films came out in the late 60s. And I think the film for this, People Goes on Board, was in 1969. It came out. Um, so it's really, I, I think she became a bit of a symbol for this you know, anti-conformism and the U.S. championed her and even the parents and they didn't care. Um, one opinion is simply that set in Sweden. So they just think like, all oh, right, so it's kind of like, it's not the USA. So the kids are probably not going to behave like this. But in at home territory, Sweden, it was a very controversial book. Now it's celebrated. And I think it's a, it's a great book. Guys. I'm looking forward to the third one. I've been taking it um, very easy. And it's a great book for, it's a great book because it's so episodic. The chapters are short, uh, especially in the first book, but also in the first half of uh, PP Goes on Board. It seems like just random little small kind of adventures and episodes. And it's, there's always a kind of a, maybe a morale, but in a strange, not very, not very sort of kind of telling you, oh, if you do this, do that. It's kind of like, well, look, you could do that. You could just go to a circus and actually just join the circus crowd and just just dance on ropes, even though they even though you always there's always some kind of policeman or someone saying, "Oh, you can't do that," and she does it anyway. So I think it's a great it's a great role model book and very episodic and absolutely uh, lovely. I really I really enjoy it. That's PP goes on okay. board. And guys, oh by the way, if you don't want to read it. The films are amazing. I think the series, I think the episodes and the films, they're also filmed in Sweden in the 60s are absolutely great. And they do, they really depict her very well. So when I read the book, it's really, the films just come back to mind. And it's it's such, it's such good fun. And when she starts going, so yeah, Pippi goes on board, is basically adventures going on board. And the next sequel will actually be her in the Pacific. So there's a lot of kind of exotic settings happening in the second and third book. So it's absolutely mm-hmm. great. Well, PJ, it sounds like you enjoyed your your uh, reading a little bit more than than I did this month. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, look, as I said, uh, oh, one thing I want to mention, Dean, I think you'd be you'd like it. It's got a very this very sort of unique uh, writing style. So I think like just just especially the way PP speaks, it's I always I always think that oh wow, if I'd written that, that'll be that'll be great because just 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 the phrase she says, because there's something very. And uh, there's something very wise about the nonsense she says. It, it's very nonsensical. So it's going it's going sometimes a bit towards Alice in Wonderland, not that surreal. But um yeah, it's absolutely amazing. The the things the things she come up with. They could be like little kind of philosophical phrases you could remember for yourself to cheer yourself up or just to think outside the box. It's the ultimate kind of thing outside the box uh children protagonist that you need. Because you don't you don't get that in Heidi you don't get that in most uh, children's books it's more like the things that happen and that they deal with it in a very courageous way but you don't really get like this kind of well think think outside the box I'm going to say something that's really absurd and think about, about the box that leaves you thinking and my problem with Alice in Wonderland 
is that I I really love the Alice in Wonderland books, but it, for me it's just it's just absurdism, and that that bores me after a while. To be honest, it bores me too much. Yeah, absurdism yeah. bores me. I do like a bit of a existential kind of purpose behind it, and I don't get that analysis. It's just it's just kind of you're left with an impression with the Alice books. You get you're left with this impression there it is philosophical but it's not at all clear what's exactly what's philosophical about so in this in these books i do get um i do get some ideas about what i could do to implement for myself about how to be more positive it's just basically she cannot be she cannot be negative ever so in the first in the first book we're going back to the first but in the first book like uh, these um gangsters and drop into her house because they see that she has she might have a lot of money and um, what she does is she just she just wakes up and just asks them to dance, the Sc- a Scottish dance with her, and that she can't. She she constantly she doesn't go to bed or anything like when she wants it. She does everything over the place, and she just makes these two dance, and they really have a great time, and they're supposed to be stealing something, and uh, but she just makes them dance until until they're zonked out, and then she makes pancakes, and that's just a real good time, and then she actually gives them some money because she sees that they're struggling. And they're really grateful. Okay, that, that's the end of that story. So it's uh, really these positive life lessons. So, uh, so that's that's my little. That's my little. That sounds nice. PJ, little, I want to I want to make a little addendum now that you've calmed right. me down with your soothing words. Right. Um, I ranted a little bit about Emma. Yeah. I don't want you know to give the because I didn't rant about any of the other Jane Austens, so people might have the misapprehension that it was the worst. <laughs> It just had the misfortune to come last, and I was just six in a row, and I was sick of them. You know, yeah. it, it. I don't want to make it seem like it was worse than the others. It was there. It was. It was fine. I just couldn't do any more. But yeah. you know, I read. I moved on. And I read next, um, and I got the Christie, which you can hear about mm. on Caper Captains. Ooh, but I'll just nice. leave you with this little teaser: some are born to sweet delight, and some are born to endless night. That's I read. I got the Christie's endless night. Um, so again, patreon.com slash booksboys, oh, yeah. and you get all of our bonus shows uh, on there. I actually read that one too. That, that's a great one. Can't remember the plot. Oh, too you know too that much. one. Can't remember the plot too much, but I just remember really enjoying it. Uh, th- that's the thing with Agatha Christie. I do love them all, but I kind of forget them very easily because they're so kind of short and quick and they're very detailed. I always end up buying the same one again because the, the, the plot on the back sounds so similar very that similar. I don't know if I've read it or not, you know? <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks for recommending it. So let's take a quick second to just say hi to everyone listening. Um, you know cool. you can email us at booksboys at hotmail.com. And if you go to booksboys.com, you got links to all our projects, um, our different podcasts, our Patreon. There's a link to your site, The Holy Wholesome Life. There's oh, links yeah. to our Instagram and various other things. So that's a nice portal for, for anything that we're involved with. Um, and of course, you can email us and tell us what you're reading. And this is the end of our first year, PJ. It's episode 12. This is the end of year one, and that means it's the end of the mystery book giveaway. So if you still want to get a mystery book, email us and tell us what you're reading, and you, you can get the last of the mystery book giveaway. And of course, hello to everyone listening, especially on Radio Oxon in England, as well as everyone downloading the podcast. But I just wanted to mention our anniversary will actually be the next episode. That's yeah, so ne- next month will be the one-year anniversary. This oh, month is the end of the celebration year as, as such, you know. Yeah. So because after this, you know, the next year will be the actual anniversary episode. Oh, so. so guys, get ready for that. Get your get your party hats on. Get all your favorite books stacked up and, you know, ha- eat some 
eat some hummus or something. Like PJ, scrumptious. The, the anniversary episode is also going to be recorded on Halloween. Um, maybe we'll have a maybe we'll have a talk spooky. off air, but maybe we should try to read a spooky book. Yeah, a spooky book. Oh, oh. And uh, if you want it, guys, you can you can get a special episode. Uh, you know, just 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 get out your credit cards if you want a special episode where I make spooky noises for you for two hours. Spooky That's noises. It. Now, PJ, I'm going to turn on the webcam real quick to show you who our co-host is this week. And we are joined this week in the webcam sessions by little Dolly the Cat. Good Lord. Uh, Again, visual segments are always good for the audio listeners. Um, I'm running out of co-hosts, though. So I've had to... Yes, literally, your co-host was very 2D just now. It was... (laughs) She was... uh, (laughs) I'm running out of co-hosts, so I've had to make a, a deal with with Alfred. Oh. I said, "Look, Alfred, I've got no more friends to bring on these shows for oh. these webcam." And Alfred said, "Look, I'll do it every month for you from now on, but you really? got to pay me." So, guys, what? please sign up for the Patreon. You would not believe the amount of money that I'm paying Alfred to to accompany us on our episodes now. Good lord, he's a he's a he's a cheeky little cheeky little bear, isn't he? He's a cheeky little bear, and you can see him, of course, uh, regularly on our on our Instagram. We're going to stop real quick because we have some fan mail. It's Sarah from Two Chicks Chalk and Flicks telling us what she's read this month. Hey, everybody in Books Boys Land. This is Sarah, and I have a podcast called Two Chicks Talk and Flicks. And um, I am helping out and giving you guys a review of a book that I have read. Um, so the book that I chose to review... It's called Priest by Sierra Simone. And if you have not read this book, um, I'm going to forewarn you that it is very, very steamy. It's a highly spicy book. Um, So much so that I actually have had to put it on the back burner because I felt dirty. So dirty reading this book. Um, but it was, it's very, very good. It's about a priest who lives in, I believe, Kansas. And he is just, he's very young. Um, and one day this girl walks in to his church And immediately, all those feelings that he has pushed down and not thought about for years um, while, you know, being in seminary school and being a priest are bubbling up to the surface. And she uh, is a temptress. And it's very good. The story between the two of them is... uh, just I, I I'm blushing just talking about it. Um there is a book that I read prior to this one that I thought was very steamy. And it's actually a worse book in terms of like content. Um it's very spicy as well. It's called Smothered Um by Christina Wick. And basically that book is about a plus-size girl who gets propositioned by her ex-boss to sit on his face. And um, that's how he gets his jollies. 
in that book makes it seem like it's for kindergartners. Like, Priest is just on a whole nother level. Uh, I still haven't finished it, but I, I recommend it. It's a very good book. If you're looking for something spicy, or if you love a good love story, and you are debating on, do you want to read something that's a little bit more uh, taboo, or you know, just a little different. Uh, this is a great book to read. Um, I don't have really much more to say about it. Uh, but if you are looking for other options, something, you know, that's a little bit more tame, but this is a really sweet love story. Um, it's one that I've read actually twice. It's such a cute book. It's called Reasons I Fell for the Funny Fat Friend um, by Casey by Casey May and Becca Ann. Um, it's a very, very sweet book about a boy and a girl who get kind of put into a, a situation together. And it's, it's very, very sweet. I don't want to give a lot of a, away, but every title uh, or chapter title is another reason why he fell for the funny fat friend. And it's really, really cute. So I highly recommend it. If you're looking for something that's not so spicy, that is a great book to try. Um, so that's all I had. Thank you. And thanks to Sarah from Two Chicks Talking Flicks. PJ, I that read one more it. book. Well, I read right. two more books, but I, I liked these two. Okay, so this one, do you remember I Didn't Like The Mill on the Floss by George Eliot? Indeed. Yeah, I, 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 I loved I Silas remember Marner. vividly. Which one? Silas Marner. Okay, so I don't know that one. It was written the year after The Mill on the Floss. We're still a little bit before Middlemarch here. Hmm. Um, but this is, so it's um, 1860, 1861 or two, I think. Hmm. And I loved this book. I really, it's quite short, but it's, you know, it's just a nice heartwarming delightful story nice. so we've got this chap silas marner and again they're all set in these little villages and towns in england and everyone's separated <laughs> from everyone else you yeah. know and what happens is wh- where he is he gets accused of a robbery that he didn't commit by mm-hmm. his friend and eventually he has to he has to leave and he, you know they refer to the their their village as their country you know because it's mm-hmm. i left the country and never went you know never went back and he goes to this other village and he just becomes a recluse. And he's not the brightest chap. And, you know, at one point, he doesn't even know what day it is or what year it is. He doesn't know it's Christmas or New Year's. You know, he's just, he's a, he weaves <laughs> and he's just in his, in his little cottage weaving and yeah. selling that to the locals. He doesn't talk to anyone. He has no society. He just sits alone in his house day in, day out for something like 15 or 20 years. Okay. <laughs> and he gathers up a bit of savings. And someone comes in and steals his money. So these two brothers, oh, no. Godfrey and um, I can't even remember what the other brother's called, but they're, he's uh, a bit uh, of a wreck. Dunstan. Eh? And Dunstan, yes. And they, Dunstan, he, Dunstan um, dis- he disappears and they don't know what's happened to him, but it, it does turn out he's died. But he, he, in the process, he steals from Silas Marner. Okay. And there's yeah. these funny bits. I do like Dunstan because he, he says to Godfrey, look, give me your, you know, you, you can't pay dad the money you owe him because you lent it to me and it's gone and that's your fault. You should have known better. He doesn't take any responsibility for anything. 
And he said, but I'll tell you what I'll do. Give me your horse and I'll sell it. And then you'll have the money. And then he goes and rides the horse and kills it, you know. And he said, well, now you've got no horse or money. So there you go. He just doesn't care about anything, you know. <laughs> I quite like that, that lovable rogue character. Awesome. Does, this book does sound good now. Now he's selling it's nice. I mean, this, this one I genuinely liked. And, but it is a bit sad with poor Silas. But he loses oh. his gold because Dunstan steals it. And there is a twist at the end, but not for us. We know what's happened. The twist is when, they, you know, when the characters mm. realize what's happened. Um, but then he meets a little baby, little baby Epi. She just crawls into his house one day. And he says, well, God took my gold, but gave me a baby. There we go. I guess we're even. And that's it. And he has these really confused ideas that maybe the baby has somehow transformed. The gold has transformed into a baby. Um, (laughs) I love that. That is awesome. (laughs) But he has the, you know, he has the baby and he's, and, you know, because I guess this is how adoption works. He just says, well, I'll find those keepers, you know, crawl into my house. I'll just keep it. There you go. Simple and though. they find a, a dead woman and obviously it turns out the baby was hers so that's mm-hmm. fine the mother's dead he keeps the baby and raises it and it's just so wholesome she loves him so much they're you know, skipping around and having a jolly old time and she brings him out of himself and now the neighbors like him he's no longer the weird blow-in from another time even though he'd been there for 20 years now that he's got a baby everyone chats to him and they like him and it's it's brilliant and of course, she falls in love with a guy, Aaron, because he's the only guy in the village, you know. The, so, so that's easy enough. You marry the only available person and, and they all just have a nice time. The only darkness is that they find out Epi is, and it's a slight spoiler, but Epi's really Godfrey's child. So that's the, oh. that's the, that's the, the slight twist. But that happens, or you realise that, you know, halfway through the book. It's not a big, it's not a twist at the end or anything. Um, nice. But it's just also wholesome and nice. Like there's not, nothing bad really happens. It's just a lovely, lovely book. Wow, sounds sweet, yeah. I'd love to read that one, yeah. There I is like a that funny bit. Well, go ahead. No, I like that it's short as well, you know, because sometimes it's just, uh, you know, I, I do prefer short, concise novels. Sometimes I like a bit of rambling. So that's nice that it's a shorter one, you said, right? It is, I actually wish it was longer because I think there was a nice. lot more that could have been done with the That's good, you see, you, you know? see, that's good. All right. That is good. But there's a funny bit where towards the end he says, let's go back to my own country, which I swear must have been two towns away. You know, they go on the horse <laughs> after 25 years. Yeah, let's like go 2000. back to my home country, you know, and they that, get, get on the horse and travel for a couple of hours. That's something know? very typical in these Victorian novels, <laughs> isn't it? Like, you know, well, I haven't seen I haven't seen Auntie Jane for 60 years. Oh, does she live in India? Bless her. No, she just she lives two towns away. It's it's a big journey. You know, I got to pack the bags and. Make sure no one eats the fruitcake and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> I should say there's some religious themes in this. Uh, the two towns have different religious ideas. And mm-hmm. um, <sighs> Silas's town, they, they, they do um, trials by lot. So when they think he stole, they just draw lots, like draw straws, essentially. And oh. he loses. And they say, well, you know, God has made it that you've lost. That's his way of telling us you were guilty. So there's no need to look at any evidence. There's no need to talk to any witnesses. We did a game of luck and God gives us the right results. So you're guilty. You know? yeah. So that's, and in the new town, obviously it's, it's a bit more normal in that sense. They can't believe this kind of thing. Um, but there's some other religious differences. I think one's maybe a bit more Catholic and one's a bit more Protestant, but they get into that, but it's a very light touch. It's not like yeah. some of these books. It's not like, you know, uh, Charlotte Bronte Shirley, where there's just 30 pages of it or, or, um, mm. You know, you get a lot in crime and punishment and a lot of that type of stuff. It's big religious texts. You know, it's, it's, it's yeah. not like that. You know, it's a very, very light touch. 
Yeah, I believe uh, Tolstoy's last novel, I haven't read yet, uh, Resurrection. You know, you know, he goes on about, you know, his farming manual and uh, Anna Karenina. Guys, yes. if, you want, if you want a great farming manual, there's a little bit of a story in the middle just for a change. Have a, have a read Anna Karenina. And I think it does a similar thing with a, a Resurrection, except it's supposed to be a religious manual. There's a bit of a story mm-hmm. in the middle. So it's a very big they kind of it. thing around the time, isn't it? Like the realists and the Victorian Dostoevsky loved it as well. Yeah, it was yeah. a big thing. I'm going to read you this little quote because it gives you an idea of how lighthearted and funny it is. It, it almost a Dickensian sense. So go, Miss go ahead, Nancy, whose, whose thoughts were always conducted with the propriety and moderation conspicuous in her manners, remarked to herself that the Miss Guns were rather hard-featured than otherwise, and that such very low dresses as they wore might have been attributed to vanity if their shoulders had been pretty, but that being as they were, it was not reasonable to suppose that they showed their necks from a love of display, but rather from some obligation not inconsistent with sense and modesty. So she's basically saying they would be vain if they were pretty, but there's no way they're dressing like that, you know, out of vanity because they just don't have the looks for it. You know, (laughs) I always find this kind of, these Victorian notions just hilarious. Yeah, yeah. that sounds good. Love to read them. There's well, a lot then. of tender-heartedness in it. It's a, it's a lovely one. It's a really, really lovely one. Then, um, there, there's a little... The one other theme that worries me yeah. is about child punishment. So oh, they sort no. of say... This lady says, if the child's misbehaving, you just got to lock it in the coal shed and then it'll not misbehave <laughs> again. <laughs> oh, but that's the same with the P.B. Longstock novels. You're just like, yeah, you know, a lot of these yeah, strange notions. But, you know, it, it was, guys... Uh, this, this book is 106 years old, you know, so this year. So it's been a while. Things have changed. Yeah, and yeah. Silas is a lovable guy, and he can't he can't do it in the end. I see. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.